what I would say to anyone looking to buy a house, wondering they're renting, they hear all the noise about interest rates are so high. You have to get educated. You have to understand that what's going on in the economy with Fed rate hikes is not a direct correlation to what we're going to see in mortgage interest rates. What's up? My name is CJ Finley, and this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I started a brand called Thrive on Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. Each week, we interview people on topics of business, health, relationships, mindset, and much more to help us thrive in all areas of life. If the messages in this podcast resonate with you, but you're still feeling a little bit stuck in actually implementing these ideas, I'd love to help you on a more personalized level or connect you with somebody that can. So please reach out. Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal. Today's episode is with Ian Grossman. This is his second go around on the show. So if you want to learn more about Ian and his backstory, please go to episode 31. In today's conversation, we get right into the topic of real estate, specifically the Austin real estate market and how it has been absolutely nuts over the past few years. During this convo, Ian does an amazing job educating on how to go about your real estate journey in 2022, as well as guiding you through some of the confusion that is happening with the national market and interest rates. Ian also will have you understanding why it is important to build your personal brand if you are a realtor, as his business has blossomed throughout the years because of his ability to educate and connect with people on platforms like YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. Seriously, go check out Ian's YouTube and TikTok. They are super helpful if you consider yourself someone who likes learning about real estate, you'll even have a few laughs due to his ability to provide comical relief. Time to jump right into it though. Please welcome back to the show, Ian Grossman. What is up fam? CJ Finley here again with another episode of the Thriving Life podcast. And today we're bringing on one of my really good friends and second round of interview conversation with Mr. Ian Grossman. He helped me buy a house, now sell a house, and we're going to chat a little bit about how crazy this Austin market has been over the past two years. I've experienced it myself, and Ian lives in it every single day. On top of that, we're also going to chat about how he's used his personal brand to not only grow in the real estate world, but also help some of the other ventures that he's involved in grow as well, because he's a super... Uh, genuine human being that gets out into the community here in Austin, Texas and helps a lot of people. So without further ado, how you doing today, Ian? I'm doing great. I appreciate you having me back on. We were, we were just talking about it. Uh, episode around what? 31. Yep. January, 2020 when the world was still normal, pretty normal, normal, <laughs> more normal than it was the next, the following oh, yeah. year. No, the following month. Um, following month. Literally, it was like January 20th, yeah. I think. January, um, and then things just stopped. We were talking about our podcast, and we had some huge guests lined up at that time, and all of a sudden, you know, we weren't doing in-person anything. So I appreciate you having me back on. I feel like a lot's changed since yeah, then. I, when you first came on here, um, life was pretty crazy. We I had just got in that office, uh, just bought – the home. And that's why I had you on the first time is yep. I wanted to go through kind of your story of becoming a realtor and then also helping Aaron and I buy our first home and what, uh, that was like. And then 
within a month or two, the, the world completely changed. Um, and now we sit here today, recently sold my home, building another one. And I really wanted to bring you back on here because there's a lot of questions that people have in today's market. And the first one that I had is the Fed just raised the interest rates mm -hmm. yesterday. And I see you pump out a ton of content around that. And I still don't quite understand it. So selfishly, I want to understand it a little bit more through yeah. your experience. So for anybody that's out there that's listening to this, and maybe they're considering to buy a home in the next couple of months, or even in within the next five years, what should they be looking for when it comes to the Fed raising interest rates? How does that affect mortgages and everything that has to do with real estate? Well, I know you said there people have a lot of questions. There's also so many misconceptions Oof. about it. And to be honest with you, I usually defer to lenders, to people who are in the, the lending financial world every single day to get the information that I convey to, whether it's TikTok, Instagram, or just when I'm having a conversation with someone, a prospective buyer that's like, hey, what are rates doing? Because we went through a period, especially around the time of, you know, when COVID was, you know, our life, interest rates were under 3%. So you could almost borrow money for free to buy, to buy a house. So that's what shot the demand through the roof. In addition to that, especially in a city like Austin, hot city, um, by hot, not the 105 degrees we're dealing with right now. <laughs> Which it is. Yeah, a hot city from a tech world, from lifestyle, restaurants, everything about Austin was drawing people here. So we saw this mass migration of people from California moving to, to Texas. We saw people from New York, Florida, really all over the country. They were coming to Austin. It was the place to be. The demand was through the roof. Supply was basically non-existent home prices shot up, interest rates stayed so low. Well, at the beginning of this year, we saw interest rates start to tick up a little bit. 3% interest rates, historically speaking, are not normal. They are so far below the average. The average interest rate is closer to 6%. I think it was like 6.5% over the last 30 years. So that's more normal. We're just used to this, you know, what was normal for a few years. The Fed interest rate, when Fed's hike interest rates last month, they went up 0.75%. The big takeaway there is they're trying to fight inflation because inflation's been through the roof and has been kind of driving our economy haywire. There's a lot of factors that affect mortgage interest rates. What people need to understand, and I actually did a, um, I had an idea to do a TikTok video about this, but I said, I'm not the expert, so let me call the lender that I know has been in the business for 30 plus years and see what his take is on it. So before I called him, I thought, why don't I record this and make that the content that I put out? So I literally, I went to the front desk in my office and I asked if I can grab their phone for a few minutes to call my lender. I set my phone up to record it and had a conversation with him. The biggest thing is fighting inflation helps the bond market. The bond market is what truly affects mortgage interest rates. So by fighting inflation, it actually gave confidence to the bond market, which made rates, rates mortgage interest rates actually dip a little bit after the last Fed rate hike. People think that the rates are going up 0.75%. 
That means mortgage interest rates are going up 0.75%, and that couldn't be further from the truth. The biggest takeaway there is it's, there's not a direct correlation between the two. So yesterday, we saw it again. This is very fresh, right? We saw another rate hike from the feds. Guess what mortgage interest rates did? Dipped a little bit? They dipped. I get an update every day. I got on some lenders uh, daily text through. I don't know how I got on it, but every, <laughs> it's actually kind of nice. He, they send me a, a rate update every single day. Yesterday in the beginning, in the morning before the, the announcement, it said rates were five and a half. Today I got the text update after the rate hike and the mortgage interest rate was five and an eighth. So they went down a quarter of a point. People need to understand that you have to get educated about this. You can't just read the headlines and watch, you know, CNN, MB, whatever, and conclude that the Fed is hiking interest rates, so mortgage interest rates are going to follow. A lot of times those rate hikes from the Fed are priced in already to mortgage interest rates. They're they're Yeah, they have information that we don't necessarily have. Exactly. They price already it. preparing for it. Yes. So it was expected the rate hike from the feds. So interest rates actually, you know, improved. If you're looking to buy a home, mortgage interest rates improved. So there's a lot more detail that someone can go into this. I'm not the expert in, in the bond market, in interest rates and in every factor of the economy. But what I would say to anyone looking to buy a house, wondering they're renting, they hear all the noise about interest rates are so high. You have to get educated. You have to understand that what's going on in the economy with Fed rate hikes is not a direct correlation to what we're going to see in mortgage interest rates. Eddie, the lender that I spoke to, he made a bold prediction yesterday. I had a 20-minute conversation. I was like, I'm going to do this again because I did it like a, over a month ago last time. I called him, had a 20-minute conversation, recorded the whole thing, got all different sorts of nuggets to put out on Instagram and TikTok. And he said, if we do go into a recession, there's actually a good chance that mortgage interest rates will dip again, maybe closer to the mid fours or 4% range that we were at you know, just a few months ago. And it's all relative. When you bought your first house, I don't know if you remember what interest rate you locked. It was around like three. Probably something. three or even before the pandemic, you might've been closer to 4%. I wouldn't be surprised. I think it was like three, five. It so, wasn't four. I know that. So even at that time, you know, here's the tough part that people can't wrap their heads around. Not only has your home value essentially doubled since from what you paid you know, back in 2019. Yeah. I mean, we got our tax just for numbers out there. So people can understand, like I live in, I lived in Austin seven, eight, seven, zero two on the East side. Our, when we first bought our house, I think it was appraised at three ninety something, something somewhere from the around, county. Yeah. From the County, somewhere around 400,000. This spring, it was appraised at like 715, yeah. 715,000. So over a two year span, it literally almost doubled yeah. in appraisal through the county. And now that doesn't equate for like what you could potentially sell it for exactly. because in a hot market, like you could sell it for more than that. But it was all this stuff is one. Another reason that I wanted to bring you on here is like, I've been learning this all just through trial and error and, and just yeah. like anybody else out there, like going through the process and understanding it. Um, and that's another misconception I think people have is not really understanding what their house is 
could be sold for versus like what the county is saying that it's worth. Yeah. And that was one of my confusions is just like, okay, well, if it's being appraised at this, what's this, what's the sale price of this house or vice versa? And how does that affect taxes? And there's so much that goes into real estate. You don't know until yeah. you're kind of in it. Um, which then goes into like what I want to parlay this into next, which is what is the most frequent question or couple of questions yeah. that you get asked when people are looking to buy a home lately do i think the market's gonna crash <laughs> the crystal ball question <laughs> um i get that more than anything and and funny story my cousin who i give a hard time every time i speak with him when i first got into real estate in 2015 he kept saying like i want to get something in austin but i'm waiting for the bubble to pop I'm waiting or bubble to Man, burst. He missed out. <laughs> I'm waiting for the for things to, to crash. Awesome. It's too hot. This was 2015. Imagine if he bought anything at that time. He would have quadrupled you know, the, the value of whatever he bought. Um, so a lot of people ask, you know, what do I th what do I think? Is the market gonna crash? Um, is it going going to cool off? Here's the biggest thing. If you try to time any market, not just real estate. If you try to time the stock market, you're going to lose. You guys were ready to buy a house. You were renting. You were ready to buy a house. You didn't know how long you were going to be there. But at that time, that decision was the right one for you. I mean, the, the here's the cool thing. You said we didn't know how long we were going to be there. We ended up being there longer yeah. than we wanted to be, but it paid off. Paid off. So when we first bought the house, I want, I initially was like, we're, this is an investment property. So we, we're not going to make it a home. Yeah. We're not going to make it homey. It's not going to feel like a home. It's going to be an investment property. And obviously, three months later, COVID, and yep. we had no idea what, what in the world was going to happen. So then we started reflecting and being like, okay, well, what's, what's our next strategy? And we basically determined that this is still an investment property, but what should we do with this property? Yeah. And that's when I started doing research on like, what the value of everything around us what's going on what's what do i get what could i get for rent what could i get for airbnb understanding the rules and regulations of all these things um but here's what you did that that helped you win you looked at what the market was doing right at the time you started considering it if you said i think the market is going to mm -hmm. continue to go up and i'm going to wait well guess what you guys sold your house, you listed in April. If you listed that house today, A, you would probably get less for it. 100%. And B, you would have it would have taken you a lot longer to sell it. When you look at um, inventory. How long did it take? Three days? Yeah, so so <laughs> the conversation we had for a long, for a couple of years there was, we tell sellers, be out of your house for the weekend, the first weekend, and you'll likely get good traction, showings, and you'll get an offer, probably multiple offers. And that's what happened with you. From an inventory standpoint, in April, when you sold, there was less than a month of inventory. The easiest way to explain that to someone that is at the rate homes are selling, if nothing else came onto the market, the existing inventory would last that long. So 0.8 months is what, 20 days? So, I love that you're bringing this up because anybody out there, if you understand supply and demand, yeah. That's another thing with real estate where I was constantly on Zillow and was it Trulia? How do you spell it? Yeah. Or how Trulia. do you say it? And I was looking at how many houses around me 
that fit my spec were being sold. Mm -hmm. And when we sold our house, it was practically zero. Yep. There was nothing, there was no B units that were street facing. There was no B, B units with my square footage. Um, and in the area that I was in seven minutes from downtown, like there was nothing I would say within like three square miles yeah. around me that was being sold. So if like you wanted a house in my neighborhood, it like, was yours. It was my house. Yeah. So understanding like what Ian's talking about, you don't just apply this to real estate, like apply this to economics across the board. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people just like your cousin, you were saying, yeah, are trying to time the market. Like let's flip this into, into stocks is the same thing. You're trying to time the market rather than understanding, like what is the supply and demand of the different categories of whatever that you're investing in. Exactly. I, I love this conversation. And actually right now, we locked in. We did something called a lock-in for our new house because we're building a house. Yeah. This is a new th term that I didn't even know about. So as the Fed was raising rates, I'm learning, okay, I don't know what mortgage rates are going to do because like, just like you said, the it's not directly tied. Exactly. Um, and I kind of hedged my bets and said, I want to lock in at five and a half because if it goes under, if it goes under five and a half, whatever, I'll refinance. Yeah. And then if it goes over five and a half, okay, I won the bet, exactly. whatever, right? The question I have now is, say it goes under five and a half and the mortgage rates start to go down. Yep. How long do I, does somebody have to wait to refinance? And how low, how much lower of an interest rate should they look at? Because like, I don't want to refinance at a five, Yeah. right? That would be stupid with the closing costs. But when, if I'm at five and a half, when should I know it's time to look to potentially refinance? So there's not one blanket answer for everyone. That's, that's how I'll start. There's a few factors you want to look at. So you're buying a house that you and, and Aaron plan on being in for a longer period of time. Okay. Three to five years. This is a longer plan than, than the last one. So if you lock in at a 5% or a five and a half percent rate, and then let's say in a year, rates drop back down to 4% or way lower than what they're at now. What you'll do is you'll take a look at what the monthly savings would be. So let's say you're paying whatever, we'll call it 3,500 bucks a month Yeah. right now. And then by getting a lower interest rate, you'll be paying 2,800. So you're saving $700 a month then you're going to look at what is the cost to refinance with closing costs because there's lender closing costs and there's title closing costs. Let's call it, maybe it'll be What's around the percentage of that. Typically. I don't know the percent when we, we refinanced our house, uh, in 2020. So two years ago and it cost us, I think it was around five or $6,000, but the amount that we saved each month, you want to look at what's the break even point. So by saving $700 a month, if it costs you $5,000 to refinance, well, how many months you divide the two, how many months is it going to take me to break even to where I've saved enough to cover that upfront cost? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Once you look at that number, you say, okay, well, let's say it's going to take you 30 months. The savings isn't that big. It's going to take you 30 months. You might say, we're only going to be in this house for three to five years. That's our plan. It might not make sense to do it. If it's your forever home and you're going to be in it for 
your plan is 20 years, 30, whatever, then you say, maybe it's worth it. Or if rates go down more. So when we were looking at it, my lender said to me, you know, the rate was significantly lower, but he was like, you're still at like a 27 month break even. He goes, I want to see it lower. And we waited and rates continued to go down and we got it to where it was a 13 month break even. We our our plan was at that point I was like, even if I we we find something else and wind up selling, whatever. It's Yeah, it's negligible. So in thirteen months we were saving enough on our monthly payment. I think it went our monthly payment went down like four hundred and fifty bucks. That's a big mm-hmm. deal. What's up, guys? I'd like to take a second to thank you for tuning into this episode with Ian. I hope you're loving this conversation so far. But before we get back into it, I have an opportunity I want to tell you about. As we all know, life is hard. It can beat you down, have you feeling low, and make it seem like you are alone. I'm here to remind you, though, that the most worthwhile journeys, they are not meant to be taken alone. And right now, you have the ability to take action and join others, including myself, on the mission to make every heartbeat count. Head over to cjfinley.com and sign up for my daily newsletter, where I will be giving you information, impactful stories, tips and tricks, and access to a community who are focused on making an impact above and beyond themselves. You'll also have the perk of exclusive giveaways, potential shout outs, and possibly even some collaborations. The least that will happen is you will walk away into every day with an extra pep in your step. My promise is that I will always do my best to help you thrive on life. And this newsletter is one of the best ways for me to help you do so. So if you're looking to get to the next level of your life, connect with like-minded individuals and have a daily dose of info that will help you thrive, sign up for my newsletter at cjfinley.com. Now let's get back into the conversation with Ian Grossman. Not to keep plugging my my TikTok, but I made a video. Keep plugging it. We need more people to go there. Get educated on this. Uh, at real estate underscore ATX. That's where you can pretty much find me on everything. Um, no, I made a video and it literally said, if you lock in your rate today at five and I use, I think I use five and a half percent as the example. If you lock in your rate today at five and a half percent and it goes down, you can always refinance. But if it goes up to 7%, then you'll be happy you locked in at 5%. You know what you know now. You cannot predict the future. Lock in today's rate. And that's why I tell people like when they're waiting for things to happen, for the market to change, for I, I've i seen this quote a few times recently. When you're looking to buy a house, it says marry the house and date the rate. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. The rate can change. You can always get a lower rate, but you will be thrilled. <laughs> You'll be thrilled if rates go up two points. And I don't know if they're going to. I, you know, that's an. an a question, a crystal ball question. But then the argument people had was, yeah, but refinancing costs money. Yeah, it does. But if it makes sense with the numbers that we just discussed, my lender said his rule of thumb is like, if you could do it in less than 24 months and you're planning to be in the house, then it makes sense. The people like that, they just don't want to solve a problem. Like I always think like you then like say, here's, here's a hypothetical. Like you lock in at a higher rate and you're using a lot of your cash flow to get this house. You need the home. Maybe mm-hmm. you have a family. And then rates drop significantly, but you don't have the closing costs to pay for that. Yeah. Right? Well, at that point, it's 
reach out to friends or family and you could literally pay them interest on a loan that they could give you because maybe they have cash. Like there's so many ways to do this. And what I'm describing right now is like if you were to say I refinance and it slashed my my home bill by $700. Yeah. Well, then I could give somebody that lended me that money for those closing costs. I still have a buffer of $700. Yeah. Well, if I want to, I could make it 300 less and then give that person 200 a month on top of whatever they loaned me just to close at a new rate. Yeah. So there's so many ways that you can go around. Don't take no for an answer. And that's yeah. what I learned the first go around with houses of like shopping around with mortgage yeah. rates and mortgage lenders and understanding that it's not a one size fits all no. solution like you were talking about. And even like with this new home, normally I would use Ian, my realtor. But what I found out was they were like, oh, if you just use our person, like you get, I think it was like $8,000 off the sale of your home or something. It's yeah. just like, I already know what the home looks like. We're just getting an inventory home. It's kind of like, all right, well, what are the decisions, the decisions that you're making? Like, do you know all the rules of the game? That's what you should be figuring out. And I want to wrap it back a little bit to where you were talking about the crash mm -hmm. and people understanding that, like, even if things go down universally across the board, you have to understand the current market that you're in. Because in Austin, we still have a supply issue yeah. compared to the amount of people that we have living here and moving here and the influx. I know we have more inventory now, but what is the inventory in Austin relative to other places? Well, something to keep in mind is that the inventory we were at for almost two years was under a month. And what do you mean by that? Basically what I told you before, like the, the, the way to um, calculate months of inventory and what that means. So for several months and several months to start this year, it was at about 0.5 months. So if nothing else came on the market, the existing inventory would be bought up in 15 days and then there would, there'd be no more homes. Putting that into perspective, we talk seller's market, buyer's market, a balanced market is when there's six and a half months of inventory. Anything under that is considered a seller's market. Anything above that is considered a buyer's market. Austin hasn't been close, anywhere close to a, a, a buyer's market or a balanced market in years, pretty much since I started. Has there ever been one in the past decade? <laughs> like... I, I wasn't in, if there was, I wasn't in real estate. And this uh, is a great way to look at things. I, yeah. This is new to me, like looking at it from this perspective. So when I got into the business, it was normal for a house to take 30 days to sell or 45 days or you know, maybe a price reduction here and there. People were so kind of thrown off by what became normal for two years that now we, so yesterday I opened the MLS every day and I have a dashboard and it shows me the activity in the last seven days. In the last seven days, there were just over 1200 new active listings and there were almost 2000 price decreases in the Austin MLS. That is insanity. The amount of price decreases has almost doubled the amount of new listings. So when we talk about, okay, where was inventory earlier versus where is it now? As of today, there's probably over three months of inventory. In the, the market report that came out for last month, it's always a month delayed. So the one that comes out in mid-July is all the June statistics. 
it was 2.1 months. So inventory in Austin, literally in the last few months, has quadrupled, if not 5 x And what I kept saying, I have a YouTube channel and I do weekly videos, and I kept, whenever we would talk about inventory, I would say, people need to understand, we're at 0.5 months, even if, and I said this exact thing, even if inventory quadrupled or 5 x we're still in a seller's market. And that's where we are now. We are still in a seller's market, quote unquote seller's market, but it's more, it's a more sustainable market. And we're going to see more sustainable growth as opposed to the 40% year over year appreciation in home values over the last couple yeah, of years. The, the, the way that I look at it is we just, we shifted into the big city mode. Yeah. Like we went from like in two years, we went from the top 10 city, I would say in terms of population and don't quote me on the stats of the actual yeah. population. I'm just talking about the amount of people that concentrate near downtown. Yeah. It's starting to feel more like a big city, and for I come sure. from the big city life. So the the prices are going to adjust for that. And, of course, in the beginning, people are going to adjust at the upper limit. So we jump to the upper limit, and then now what's happening is like prices are being reduced. But are they really being reduced? That's in my head. I'm just like if I do the math, it's like they're still well above – what they were two or three years ago. And people are just trying to, I mean, you should, if you're trying to sell your house, get the most for your house. So they're just learning that compared to three to six months ago that I, for me, just from consensus, it's I'm 31. You have a lot of people here that are, I'd say 27 to 35 and they want to buy the house. Yeah. But they're okay with, you know what, I'm just going to stick it out in apartment life for another year yeah. or another two years or get a roommate. Or I've noticed that about here. And I think even though that the inventory, just like you're saying, is going up, like there's a lot of people I think that are still waiting to buy a house that yeah. we just can't account for because unless we were to go around and take a ballot of exactly. people, like going to all the apartment complexes that are downtown, like how many of these people actually want to buy a house? It's probably a, a significant number. Yeah. Um, they're just waiting it out, quote unquote. Yeah, a lot of people are waiting for for the market to crash. And the funny thing is, if you're waiting for a crash, the only way to know that you've hit the bottom is when things start coming back up. And then you're too late. So what I tell people is if you are ready, willing, and able to buy a house today, you want to you want to be a homeowner. Don't read too much into what the rates are going to be, what you think is going to happen. Because guess what? We're also dealing with probably record travel this summer compared to, especially compared to the last two years. People in 2020 weren't traveling over the summer. Mm-hmm. 2021, Delta variant. People like wanted to travel, but still, you know, wear a mask on the plane and everywhere you went. This summer, like I was at Disney, Disneyland last week. It was fucking nuts. Am I allowed to say that on this? Yes. <laughs> the amount of people there was insane because people are, they're ready. It's back, baby. They're itching. You, you don't have to wear a mask on a plane. You can do, you, you can do the things that you did in 2019. So this summer, I think a lot of people have their priorities set on, let's do what we missed out on the last couple of years. They're traveling, they're, they're visiting family, they're doing all that kind of stuff. They're not focusing on their living situation, especially while there's so much uh, volatility in the markets right now. So that's definitely what we're seeing. 
I'll have a buyer where it used to be, you see a house you like, you better get there today because it's probably not going to be there tomorrow. Now I'll have buyers, hey, I'm going out of town this week. Can we see this house next week or in 10 days when I get back? There's a good chance it'll still be on the market the way things are going right now. Yeah, and let's let's run through that. Let's run through that scenario. So I'm a big believer in playing attack. I never play defense. So even in this market, I'm sitting here is how do I buy another property? How do I how do I invest? And I do everything by math. Put it in an Excel sheet and it's like rents the rent here in this studio that we're in yeah. went up six hundred dollars yeah. for this year, right? So I'm looking at that like Okay, if I was actually living here and how much money am I putting into a place that I'm not getting any of that money back, yeah. it's basically like lighting the money on fire. Rather, when you invest in a house, you're going to gain the equity and then you also can turn that asset into a money maker if you do Airbnb or um, Verba, VRBO, whatever. Yeah. Um, so there's ways to make things work in yeah. your favor at all times. But one of the things that keeps a lot of people from owning a home is just having enough money saved up in the beginning to go to the bank and qualify for that home. What are some options for some people that have a job and they could pay the the mortgage every single month, Mm -hmm. but they might not have the upfront capital to put down on a home? What are some of the scenarios that they could potentially work through? I think the first thing to clear up is the amount you need to put down. A lot of people have 20% in their brain. We need 20% for a down payment. Well, you look at the median sales price in Austin's last two months ago, it was 550. Now it's 530. So let's just call it 500 for easy math. So someone's looking saying, I need $100,000 for my down payment. There's a lot of people that don't have $100,000 just There's a lot of wealthy people that don't have. Just like ready to throw down on a house. So for a conventional loan, you can put really as put as little as 3% down, but the most common and the best rate, 5% down. So now we're talking, okay, $25,000, which I understand still not everyone has that laying around, but a lot more attainable than the 100,000. A lot of people that I work with will get gifts from family members. This is very common and a lot of people don't realize it's a thing. And I'm not going to assume that everyone has access to ask the, their family members for money, but it's something that is allowed from the lender. It's called a gift fund. And you can literally have someone give you the money for your down payment. This is common. We see this a lot with people who are sell, who like want to buy a new house. They own a house already but the timing isn't going to allow them to sell it first. So they might get a gift from family member to buy the new house and then they can pay off when, when they sell their other house, they can pay their family member back. So that's, that's one option, but yeah, that's assuming that you have someone who can give you the money, but guess what? You don't know unless you ask. Such wise advice right there. I had a couple earlier this year and they were planning on putting fiber. They were, pretty much scrounging up all the money they could to, to put 5% down on a house. And then they had a conversation with one of the, you know, the wife's wife's dad, he gave them 20% to put down. It put them in such a different position to be able to purchase that home 
from a competitive standpoint in that market, you were having to waive your appraisal. So there was that conversation and it changed the landscape for them. Boom. It within two weeks, they found a house and were able to get an offer accepted. So again, I'm not going to sit here and assume that everyone has access to, to that money, but sometimes if you ask and as a parent now, knowing the power of real estate, it's something that I want to be able to do with my kids. You're better off doing that than paying tuition. Exactly. Like it's crazy. Like it's, it, one of the things that irks me the most in American culture is that we set, like we're supposed to be helping the next generations get better than we had it. We're not supposed to sit there and be like, well, you know what? In my day, like it was super hard and whatever. It's just like, well, you didn't have to pay a hundred grand in tuition in your day. Yeah. Like, why are we throwing money? That's like lighting money on fire nowadays too, but a whole different topic. But if you were to like save some of that money and instead of paying your entire child's tuition, take 5% of whatever that is to put towards a house. Well, you also, that could be some of your retirement. Yep. Because when they, if they go to ever sell that house one day or they do a cash out refinance, you can structure it where some of that money would come back to you yep. and you would have earned. And that's where I kind of want to flip this into, okay, say say you don't have family. Okay. Say you, you don't have that member that can, can write you a check and a down payment. What are some of the ways to like partner with somebody that potentially has the money? Because one of the issues that I have, like if I yeah. wasn't married, like I'm an entrepreneur, even if I made a boatload of money, it's a lot tougher for me to get approved yeah. for a home loan, for a mortgage. So one of the ways that I would have to go about it is to partner with other people. So yeah. how do you see people going about that where maybe someone um, that's living in the house doesn't have the down payment, but they're leveraging a partnership with somebody else that is just looking for something to invest in yeah. uh, passively? Common also, two friends they want to buy something together. One might be in a better position, W-2 employee, cleaner file. Um, I actually just had a, a married couple. They're not technically married yet. I think they were actually getting married uh, last week, but they just bought a house last month and they've kept everything separate and they own a business. One of them gets paid W-2. And they've literally worked this out for the scenario of when they go to buy a house so that it's clean. Only one of them, only the husband was on the loan because he's the W2 employee in the business. So if you're talking about a situation like that, where you have two friends going into it together, you can pool your money together. If you're both going to be on the loan, which is still possible, even if you're not bringing in enough income because you're a 1099 employee, you haven't been in the business long enough, the lender will use your debt. So that's the the trickier part is if you have a lot of debt, credit card debt, car payments, that kind of stuff, um, the lender will look at that. If you don't want to be on it at all, um, then it's something you can work out with, you know, your friend, person A can be the one who buys the property and you two can have your own arrangement, your own agreement to work it out as a partnership. So there's, there's a few options there. I feel like it can get a little more I can go a little bit more in depth with it and it can get more complicated than it needs to with this conversation. But I have friends that buy properties together all the time and oftentimes they're just both on the loan. And if one, they have an agreement, like if one of us wants to sell it and the other one doesn't, then we can discuss a buyout. You buy the, your partner out, 
they go, you change, there's some title work, some legal stuff that needs to go into it so that you're the only one on the title after that. And then the house is yours. So you can part ways in, in that regard. Um, so the thing is there's options out there. And again, this isn't a, a plug to, to reach out to me, to call me, but if you're someone who's looking, who's interested in buying a house, don't go to the, don't Google search how to buy a house. That's not the place to start. <laughs> you need to speak to someone who does it day in, day out, who sees all these different scenarios, whether that's me or whether you ask a, a good friend of yours that probably just bought a house, ask them who their agent was. Did you like them? Would you recommend them? That's the way a lot of people find agents. Then I work with several lenders that some are just better with conventional, like W2, easy files, They'll get you from A to B. Others have more specialized programs. And if someone's self-employed can kind of figure things out, some specialize in that. So I'll connect you with someone who will fit your needs. It's not just like a, a factory where you call me and I just send you a name and then put you on a, a search and then you hopefully you find a house. Like there's a lot more that goes into it. And when you and I sat down the very first time to talk about this, we had a, a, an in-depth conversation about like how the process works. It's, I don't, exp I go, I, t I used to teach 10 year olds. I treat my clients like the 10 year olds I taught in, in the sense that I sit and explain, I don't expect you to know. It's almost anything. harder teaching these, like, because yeah. the, how much money is on the line. And exactly. The stress. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of money involved, but I don't expect you to know anything when you come to meet with me for the first time, I always tell people like, whatever question you're thinking, just ask it because a, you, I'm sure you don't know the answer and B, you know, it's, there's no dumb questions. There really are no dumb questions. I'll sometimes throw out terms that I'm like, that I use every day and I'll see buyers. They're kind of like sitting there, like shaking their head. I'm like, do you know what that means? No. And then I have to kind of rein myself in and, you know, go back to square one explain what that means. And then like months of inventory, you could have just sat and shook your head, right? Yep. Like you knew what I was talking about, but no, you want me to explain it because if you don't understand it, most people probably don't. Yeah. And that's where human nature is. We don't want to look like we don't know. Exactly. So, and that stems from in our society, when you grow up in school and you raise your hand and you get something wrong, everyone laughs at you. Yep. But the reality is the people that ask more questions get ahead. And when you call a lender, you call a realtor, and if you don't like what you're hearing, you want more information, call someone else. Yeah. And that's something that I've learned over the years. Is just like, if it doesn't fit what I want, then I just go somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> like exactly. I have something in my head, and I just like, I'm a shark when it comes to it. And anybody can be like that. Like that's not. Yeah. You don't have to be brilliant. You just have to not take no for an answer, and just keep pounding uh, the phones and pounding information and reading books and listening to podcasts and find someone that'll take the time to, to address those needs. Yeah. And somebody that's questions. willing to be like you. Yeah. That doesn't, doesn't view questions as uh, stupid. And that's where let's the back half of this conversation. I really want to highlight how you've utilized YouTube and social media yep. to showcase that you're the type of person that is willing to hear those questions. So when you were first, just to give a little rundown, like go listen to Ian's first episode 31 on 
Thrive on Life podcast. If you want to learn more about his backstory as a teacher mm -hmm. and some of the other things he's working on, I wanted to keep this super dialed into real estate and personal branding. Um, but go check that out. He transitioned from an ele elementary school teacher into real estate and then figured out that if you build a personal brand and leveraging these tools that we now have today, where we have two cameras sitting here, we have the audio, yep. we're going to chop this up and give Ian some TikTok videos, how powerful that can be, not just for your business, but for your ability to communicate yourself, uh, to communicate to others that you are the type of person that can answer their questions and help them uh, with whatever their needs are. So give us a little rundown of what was your thought process around starting your personal brand because there's a lot of people out there that when they they cringe when they hear the word personal brand or if like they're leaving the corporate world or they're leaving teacher you're not the only teacher that i know has left to go into real estate yeah but when you're a teacher it's like you get assigned your class and you have your kind of standard structure but when you get out into the into i don't want to say real world but when you get out into the business world yeah it's it's just you like yep. you're the one selling you you have to figure out how to do it, especially in real estate. It's not like you get this big marketing firm that's like, hey, Ian is the best. No. How did you look in the mirror and really figure out what path you should go down to start when it came to building your personal brand? The first few years of being in real estate is just like stay afloat, figure out what works. Um, I found that social media and Instagram was very different in 2015 um, when I first started posting anything on Instagram for business. Um, I, when I think about Austin, I love the food. I love the energy. I love the lifestyle of Austin. And I started thinking, well, if I love it, there's other people that love it too. What if I just embrace that? And essentially I was reading one of Gary V's books and one of the terms he used was being the content mayor of your city. And I was <laughs> like, it's genius. Why don't I do the things I already enjoyed doing and just document them? So I started trying restaurants and I would do a video, put it on YouTube. Not only am I having fun doing it, but I'm also giving exposure to these restaurants who probably, you know, some of them are more the hole in the wall type places that people don't know about and they love it too. Um, so I started thinking, okay, let me start creating content around that. Still in that time, I was trying to think of like a brand name. Do I go like, Austin lifestyle homes. Cause I want to tie it back to real estate. And I remember sitting in my, the parking lot at my old Keller Williams as the company I used to be at, I was sitting in the parking lot and I was on the phone with you actually. I don't know if you remember this. And we were talking about branding and I said, you know, I, I just need to like make a brand. I want a logo. I want all of that stuff. Um, and you were like, how do people find you? What do they look up? And I said, oh, my name, that's your, and you were like, that's your brand. It's Ian Grossman. If you want to figure it out down the line and like make a catchy name, do that. But for right now, so I don't know if you remember. I, now I, I mean, have you the, brought up Gary V. I brought up Gary V. Like he's Gary yeah, V. He, yeah. <laughs> then he his, made Vayner Media, exactly. Vayner X, Vayner, whatever. So now I have the FG on my hat, which is the new, I, I created a partnership in December with my business partner, Lindsay Fenton. So Fenton, the F, I'm the G. I literally, after we had that discussion, I went onto Canva and I made a little square and I put an IG in it. And that was That's my, awesome. that was my brand. Like I made my logo and started making hats with, uh, you know, every, yeah. I love wearing hats cause they have my, my logo on it. 
uh, and because I don't have hair, but <laughs> it protects my head. Um, that's the second reason. But no, we we start talking about that. Ian Grossman. That's that's the brand. That's what people are going to look up when they're trying to find me. Ian Grossman, realtor, whatever. So that's what I base everything around. And from a brand standpoint, my goal is to educate people about Austin and about real estate in Austin. So I was doing the business spotlights. I was doing uh, neighborhood spotlights. So I'd go to different neighborhoods and record a video talking about where it's located, homes, what the schools were like in that area, amenities, what is it close to? If you're living there, like what, what could you expect if you're living in this area? And that's how I started posting my YouTube videos. And then COVID basically kept me at home. I had just started making videos when, no, that's not true. I had started the year before when we had our podcast. You just didn't have a system. So like when you, when you, when we bought my first home, I remember sitting out front of my house and like kind of saying like, you need this Google drive system. I still remember that. Yeah. So you were doing it. You were doing the thing, which it's the natural progression. You start doing the thing and you start realizing like, all right, there's no way I can sustainably keep doing this thing. I got to figure out a system to make this happen. And that's the pro that's the right before COVID that's where you were at. Yeah. Um, and then I just like a lot of like on TikTok, most of my account was built on just like making light of the, the real estate market. Cause it was a stressful topic for a lot of people. I want to give you kudos because there's a word for this that you do really well. It's called edutainment. So not only are you educating, but you throw in your own special flavor and it, by flavor, it's fun. Yeah. It's funny. Um, you have two young daughters. You throw that into the mix. Was that always something that was built in you, or did you have to like work up towards that? Because I think this is what happens to a lot of people. Yeah, they'll see you and they'll be like, "I could never be exactly. like that." Like because they're comparing their day one to your how long have you been at this? Like you just told us, like 2015 is when you started, yeah, and it's like seven years. That's seven years, yeah. and now you're at this point where I would say you're starting to really hit the ground running in a lot of different areas, yeah. not just real estate, but online and dig- in the digital world, seven freaking years. I don't want to compare myself to that if I'm on day one. Exactly. So on day one, were, did you have both the education and the entertainment side down or how were you thinking about the content that you're putting out? So again, it was always educate when it was like when I was making the YouTube videos and, and even posting to Instagram, but before Instagram was reels and a lot of video, it was just like a photo. Um, in my YouTube videos, I would always like be kind of goofy in them at certain times. Cause I wanted people to take me seriously, mm-hmm. but I also want, didn't want to seem like a sleazy salesman. Cause that's, I'm not. Um, so when TikTok rolled around, I kept watching video. I was like, there's no good realtors on TikTok. Like, what am I going to do? Just do a, a property tour or something. And then I started seeing a couple like lenders that, we're doing kind of goofy videos and I'm like, I could do that. And it's I'm, at heart. Like I like humor. I like being funny. Ask my wife. She thinks I'm a lot funnier than I am. Or I, I think I'm a lot funnier than, than I am. <laughs> she doesn't think. I think every husband is in that. Uh... Yeah. Um, but no, I started thinking like I, I can still give information and convey a message, adding value to people that are, trying to figure out like, do I buy a house right now? Or, or what is the real estate market like? But I try to make it funny to add that, to take the, the guard down. Cause a lot of people do think 
if I speak to a, a real estate agent, I'm just going to get sold. They're going to try to sell me a house. That's not what I do. You've worked with me several times. I don't try to do that. I try to educate you and let you make the decision. And I'll usually unsell you on things more than I sell you. Like if we're looking at a house, I'll point out the things that you should probably consider to like not buy the house. Like our buddy that we, uh, that bought a house at the same time as you, I don't know if he wants to be name dropped here, but I talked them a month ago out of buying a house that they were considering putting an offer on. Cause I said, you guys aren't thinking long-term. You told me you want this, 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 this house only checks these boxes. They thought about it for a little bit and then hit me up later. And they said, you're right. We didn't think about those things. We want to keep looking. I, I'm not going to sit here and try to pressure you into doing something that is a huge decision. And I can't convince you to buy a house, you know? Um, so yeah, the, the edu, edu, what do you call it? Edu, edutainment. Edutainment. That's literally what I enjoy doing. I've always had the goofy side to me. This, sometimes I call it my alter ego, like this thing takes over me when I get the TikTok camera in front of me and I just like, I do it and you just have to not give a shit. People will always look at me like, like you said, I can't, I can never do that. And I'm like, I just do it. I don't care. Well, it's also, you said you, it's just bringing to light who you really are. And I think a lot of people, they try to be somebody that they're not like for me. I am goofy behind closed doors, yeah. but I'm just not, I'm not a funny guy. Like it's just not naturally built in me. What's built in me is working really fucking hard and motivating people yeah. and leading people and challenging them to be more than what they are. So the more that I lean into that exactly. on my social media, the more of a good response I get. Do I throw some goofy things in there? Do I do some goofy things? Yes. Makes you human. But it's not naturally who I am yeah. and I don't try to be who I'm not. I don't try to do the humorous side because like it wouldn't like if I tried to do it, it would look inauthentic. And that's where you need to find your own groove where I love what you've done because now even before we were jumping on this podcast, you were talking about how you're being called more on TikTok. Now you couldn't, in 2015, could you have, just like we were talking about the real estate market, trying to time the market, could you time, okay, TikTok's going to come out in this no. and it's going to pop off and I need to be ready for it. Like, no. no. So you just started in one direction, started building momentum, started with photos and started learning the game and not expecting anything out of it and then started growing your skills along the way and then you find that groove. And I think a lot of people, they'll, they'll be like, oh, like, do I go on TikTok? Do I go on Instagram? Do I go on YouTube? Do I do all these different things that people are telling me I should do rather than sticking to what is calling you? And that's yeah. where, why TikTok? Why do you feel that that is the platform for you in 2022. Well, to be honest with you, I, I get business from TikTok, but I also have more fun doing it. Mm. YouTube is where that is, has run my business for the last couple of years. The ROI on that is through the thousands of percent for the amount I spend. I, I have an editor in the Philippines editing my videos and then, you know, we get a lot of business from it. So, TikTok, I saw in 20, I mean, again, back to Gary V, he was barking in my ear in 2019 talking about TikTok, the organic reach. Well, guess what? It's not quite as great as it was back then, but it is still amazing. Like, again, I have, I'll post a video, one will get 800 views, and then I'll post one a couple hours later, and it'll get hundreds of thousands of views. And the hundreds of thousands isn't the norm, and views don't convert to business, but it's all about awareness. You want people to click 
and then say, hmm, I like this video, go to the profile, start going down the rabbit hole. And then when, if they live in Austin, for me, when it's time, they think of me. I'm not there like convincing people and people will, you know, you have a lot of haters on TikTok. People, oh, realtors just want <laughs> to sell people houses and <laughs> tell people it's always a good time to buy. I don't always tell people it's a good time to buy, but all the times I have said in the last several years, I've been right. It's uh, it's funny. So YouTube, I just started posting more on YouTube and, and TikTok over the past couple months. And like, there's way more haters on there yeah. than, and then on Instagram. Oh, like, I sure. guess the Instagram, like my following is only people that it's, it, it's kind of like a, uh, you're in your own little world. Yeah. But in TikTok, man, and, and, and YouTube, like I posted a couple videos and just, I'm like, who has the time to comment on YouTube? Exactly. Negative stuff. Like, yeah. why are you even like, what are you wasting your time on? But that's again, besides the point. So if um, you're, um, if you're someone that's, let's say you're in Austin or whatever, uh, you're looking to buy a house for, for me, People will usually start on the, maybe the short form type stuff. If you want more educational, like practical, here's what's happened in the Austin market, tips, go to my YouTube channel. That's going to be usually five to 12 minute videos, which is what YouTube should be. Um, and I go a lot more in depth on these topics. Um, we're pretty much putting out videos every single week to educate people. Literally at the beginning of my videos, I say, we're here to educate you, inform you, and keep you in the know about all things Austin, Texas real estate. That's what we want to be. How do you figure out what idea? So like it's now we're going into the first week of August Yeah, coming up. How do you figure out what video is going out at that time? Um, I have Google alerts set up for Austin real estate, for Austin development. And I'll usually see like what topics are in the news and base my videos off of those. Love it. So, so there's a system it, in place. Yeah, keep keep with what's trending. And also, um, there's plenty of other real estate agents around the country that have great pages, great YouTube pages. And I'll look and see which videos are performing well. This is actually uh, our buddy Ryan that we realize we have in common. Uh, I, you know, this is something I looked at early on and then kind of, abandoned and he brought back to me a couple weeks ago he was like other agents that have good channels around the country like see what videos for the agent in whatever north carolina what videos are doing well for them and do an austin version duh right like don't reinvent the wheel see what people want and then i'm not copying him because mine's austin and his is whatever his market is but using those to kind of fuel your ideas and because people are obviously looking for that other great advice is if you're yeah. starting something like you should copy people but yes if you're doing it in your way naturally it's not really copying so validate what's working and then in your own special way and your own special flavor that's what's going to bring to light so a lot of people view it as like i don't want to I don't want to copy someone else or copy another brand, but they're validating the path yeah. for you. So you could start off with a couple W's and building momentum in that arena. And just by being you, it's going to be different. Look at TikTok trends. Everyone does the same thing. You take a, an audio, you have like a theme to the video and you just do it, whatever your lane is. I've had plenty of videos where I'll post them on like TikTok and then I'll post it to reels and I'll get a little notification that says like 
blah, blah has used your audio for their video. And I'll click on it. And they literally did the same exact video that I did. But, and most of the time they're real estate agents, but I don't give a shit. I'm like, okay, great. They're validating what you're putting out as valuable. Am I going to like stress over that and have it bother me that some agent in Indiana put out the same video as me? Like, no, it has nothing to do with me. So that's a big thing with, I'll give a, a couple tips here. If you're listening to this, if you're whatever real estate, any business, and you're wondering what do I do to get into YouTube? Get for YouTube, I have a ring light and a my iPhone and a, a lav mic. That's that's my setup. So for less than what forty dollars, thirty dollars, you can get your YouTube videos up and running. For TikTok, just hit record. Told you one of my videos that had over 300,000 views was me talking to my lender on speakerphone. I didn't even say anything the whole call. <laughs> I just used his knowledge, so put awesome. that out. So think about those types of things, repurposing content. Um, there's just so many, the, the, the comment reply people, when people comment on your videos, you can take their comment and make a video replying to their comment. And it shows that little speech bubble. So if I said the Austin market isn't going to crash anytime soon, and in the comments you said, yes, it's going to crash because of X, Y, Z, I could take your comment, create a new video, and your little speech bubble with your comment will show up next to me, and I can give a rebuttal to your comment. And that's a video. I love it. Heck yeah. Options are endless. I know you got to get to a meeting. Ian's a busy man, so I just appreciate you taking the time to come out and the last question I have for you today um, is when I interview you next what do you want to accomplish up until that point so you've exited the teacher world you're crushing it in the real estate world we've talked about some of the things you're investing in um, time money and energy wise off of the audio and the camera couple years down the road, like what is it that you're working towards right now that you would like to say that you've accomplished? That's a really good question because we, I told you I merged, I, I partnered up with my friend in December and I feel like I've, we've been so like head down focusing on that, on like just getting everything running lately that on the way over, on the way driving here, I called my grandpa. He's not, he turned 95 last month. Wow. That's awesome. And he has COVID right now. And he survived. Imagine that. Um, but I, I was talking to him and I hung up and I was like, when you think of like someone's purpose or he's, he literally sits at home all day. He'll maybe go to walk with his walker to get the mail and like talks to us, like his family. And like, what else is he, what else is he doing? What else is he looking forward to? For me, you know, we've had our heads down building this business that, honestly haven't thought much about the the two or five year plan from a work standpoint. Um, my wife is about to start working with us to do, to help with admin. She just, she left nursing for obvious reasons that people know what the nursing world looks like, especially yeah. over the last two years, but she left nursing and got her real estate license. It's amazing. Just passed her test like last month. Um, and she's going to start up with us to help with systems, help with admin, um, just client care, you know, love on our people. So she's going to be helping with that. Uh, and I do want to get to a point where, you know, on weekends and I've already worked toward that. I'm not quite there yet, but where weekends, like my daughter's about to start elementary school 
insane. Um, she'll be involved with like more sports and stuff like that, that like, I just want to be able to really dive into that. Um, from a family standpoint, I want to be able to focus on that and not like always be sitting with my phone. Like who's texting, who needs to go see a house? Who needs to do this? Um, so not remove myself from the business in any regard, but, um, that's more personal from a professional standpoint. I really want to continue to build on the, um, the YouTube and the education standpoint. I would love to turn it into where I'm like, you know, educating other agents on how to do what, what I've done. I still feel like I need a master a little bit more before I get started with that. 10,000 hours, man. Just yeah. put in the hours. Yeah. And I'm not quite there yet. Um, but I would ultimately love to bring the, the education side back to it and help agents that are starting who are running around with their chicken, like a chicken with their heads cut off and get them going so that they can reach this, the same type of success, if not more by leveraging all the tools we have now. You don't have to go nut door knocking and put your ads in newspapers anymore. You know, I really love that response because if we were in the opposite seats right now and you asked me that it would look very similar. I've been thinking like the whole home buying process of why we're going to be three to five years in this next one is really, I want to dial into spending time with people that I love uh, more and having a bigger space to have people over um, to grill and chill and, and really investing into the relationship side of things. And then on the professional side of things, doing the same thing you're doing with the education, the podcast. That's why I show yeah. up every single day because you can serve only so many customers here physically in Austin, but you could be asleep and be helping somebody exactly. better their life and their community and their family and help them make more money just through some of the edutainment For that sure. you're doing. So you're a testament to that. And anybody that has listened to this, please hit Ian up. Where do they find you? Um, YouTube. If you just type in Ian Grossman Realtor, it should pop up pretty quickly. Um, and then TikTok, Instagram, uh, real estate underscore ATX. And that's, those are the three places I am the most active. Again, if you want more educate, edu, edutainment, go to TikTok and Instagram. Um, always, if you DM me, I'll message you back as long as you're not a weirdo trying to like <laughs> get me to, yeah, I get all sorts of messages on there. Um, and then on different YouTube, story for a different day. yeah, if you want to sit down and learn a little bit more, dive deeper into a, the current market or, uh, tips, how to navigate things uh, as a buyer or seller here, then go to my YouTube channel and always in the link in those descriptions, I have an Austin relocation guide. So if you're not living in Austin, but you're moving here, go check that out. It's a PDF. It's free, download it. Um, and it gives you a roadmap. I tell people the goal is to make you an expert before you move into the city. So check that out and um heck yeah and go listen to episode 31 where ian runs through more of his life and how he even got to this point in the first place he also answers the question that i ask everybody at the end what does thriving mean to him so we're not going to go into that now but my biggest takeaway here today is really just show up as your authentic self it's really cool that man all my friends here in austin are, are crushing it and the number one trait that i see in them is they're all just following what is calling them. They're yep. not trying to be anybody but themselves. And then you just came from a coffee chat with our other buddy, Dr. Matt, prior to this. And he's another example of this, of yep. just 
building a chiropractic practice in his own way. Yeah. And um, anybody else that's listening out there, it sounds more complicated than it really is, but it's really just dialing into who do you want to be and why do you want to be that person? And then just yeah. hammering the nail every single day and not expecting uh, anything in return in those f- first couple of years, just like you said. That was my big takeaway because I feel like no yeah. matter what industry you're in, those first couple of years are just going to be choppy waters and you just got to survive them. And do it works for you. Um, mm. You don't, there's so many real estate agents that post and flat and are flashy and all over like what is it? Imposter syndrome. Like don't fall into that. Do what works for you. Make your own goals. It doesn't have to be profound. It doesn't have to be anything like just because you, you know, want to make X number of dollars a year, like because this guy's making a lot more, or has goals to make more. It doesn't mean that you're not working as harder or not as ambitious. Like it's not all about that. Like work, do what works for you. Awesome. Show up in your hat. A V-neck, some jeans. Yep, that's all it takes, right? <laughs> it's it. one of the reasons I left the my old job is now I'm in exactly. sleeve of shirt, got the tattoos. But yeah. love y'all. Thank you for tuning in. The best thing that you can do for me right now is you can share Ian's episode with somebody that you think it's going to have an impact on, or maybe it's had a major impact on yourself. If it has, please reach out and DM Ian. Send him a video. He'll respond back. Until next time, this is Cedar Finley with the Thrive on Life podcast. Thrive on y'all. Adios. What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of the small team here at Thrive on Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. And we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive on Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.